0: Now, I have to say that at 9 o'clock hour, people were really responding well to my jokes, and that's what's most important, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but you guys ready? Ready for some more good news? Because we're are, we going to bring it this morning. This is some uh, great information. This is, uh, if you can just grab hold of this and then walk in the truth of what God's Word has to say. Um, I, I know you're going to walk out of here really encouraged. So John chapter fourteen, we're going to start there. Uh, we're going to look at verse starting verse sixteen. Now I, I have to just um, explain this. This is we're going to be hitting a bunch of really good points. Okay, and looking at a bunch of different scriptures. So if you're not quite catching everything, just listen to my melodious tones, and then uh, you know listen to the podcast to get all the verses. They'll be up there as well. But write those down. You can look at them later on. Um, But we've been talking about this incredible gift of salvation that God has given us. And then what are some of the good things that come from it? So over and above the fact that we get to spend eternity with God in heaven, what are some of the things that have been given to us over and above that? And and today we're looking at the fact that right here, right now and forever, those who have placed their faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit lives in us. He dwells in us. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 14. So says, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth. You're going to see that phrase several times in some other verses. Whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him because He abides with you and in you. And so God the Father is going to uh, give us God the Holy Spirit because God the Son has asked Him to do it. And he's he's called a helper. Uh, Parakletos is the Greek word. So if you want to write that down, you can impress your friends and family. Um, Say, hey, may I be your parakletos? (laughs) And it'll be like, okay, just get away from me. Um, So it, it basically just means that, helper. So God the Holy Spirit is one who comes alongside of, is kind of the definition for it. One who comes alongside of. Someone who is a consoler, an intercessor, an encourager, a comforter. And so, God the Holy Spirit, who is God, He has the qualities uh, and characteristics of God, and he's, he's God because He does the works of God. And He is the one who lives in us, those who have placed their faith in Christ. Not because of anything we've done, not because we're so awesome that we deserve to have God in us, um, but because we've simply placed our faith in Christ, and it's one of the incredible gifts that God has given us What we want to do is look at what he does in our lives, uh, and what I'm going to do is we're going to look at some passages of scripture we've always already looked at in some previous series that we've had. All right, starting from last week, uh, but then looking at Ephesians and then Romans chapter eight, and then we're going to look at some of the things that we haven't necessarily looked at. But here are some of the things that we've looked at from previous series. All right, so the first one, which was last week is he convicts us of sin and our need for Jesus. John 16, Jesus talking again. He says, and he, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, so it's going to be his job to do this, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. If that's my agent, please tell him, I'll call him after the service. That guy's always, he's finding all, everybody else to call. I keep telling listen, I can't do the movies right now. Um, but anyways, so uh, so God the Holy Spirit is given to us. And his responsibility, and as it says it's given to the world, which includes Christians. So as it pertains to Christians, we have the Holy Spirit. And his responsibility is to convict us of sin. Not to regain our salvation, because we've learned about last week. Once saved, you're always saved. We talked about that. If you have any questions, you can... Feel free to talk to me about that afterwards. But God, the Holy Spirit's in us. But when we sin as Christians, because we're not in heaven yet, like I always say, some of you guys are balding, so you're getting to perfection, but we're not there yet. So we sin. And when we sin, we need to confess that. Not to regain salvation, but to regain that intimacy, that, that fellowship with God. Just like a child who might disobey their parents. They need to get that right. They don't stop becoming the child. Stop being a child, but they need to make sure that it gets right. For those who don't know Christ, the Holy Spirit convicts them of sin with the idea that, hey, you need to be saved. You need to have a, a Savior. You need somebody to make you right with God. And that's what Jesus' responsibility is. And so he goes on and talks about, in John 15, actually previous to this, and Jesus says, when a helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, there it is again, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. The word testify there in the Greek means uh, like somebody who is a witness in a court. And so the responsibility of the Holy Spirit, which again we learned from the previous verse, he, he's saying that it's going to be the Holy Spirit's response, a responsibility to act like one who is in a court testifying about who Jesus is. What is it he says, what he, that he has done in the hearts of, of people. Then it's going to be the disciples' responsibility to testify. They're going to be the ones who are going to you know, start the church through the Holy Spirit's going to be working through them to start the church. And they're going to testify about who Jesus is, who, what Jesus has done in their lives. And we know from what Jesus has taught us that we now are the ones who are supposed to be testifying. So it's like we go out into the world, which is the courtroom, and the way we think and the way we speak and the way we respond to people, we're going to be testifying as if we are in a court about who Jesus is. That's now our responsibility to do. So when we come to Christ, when we came to Christ, or when our friends and family come to Christ, the next thing we learned about is the fact that he is our uh, source of spiritual life. He is the one who gives us spiritual life. Now, we learned this in Ephesians, and one of the Supporting passage that we use was in Titus. And so that's why I decided to go to Titus with this. Uh, and hopefully you're okay with that. Uh, he says, and he, God, saved us, not in the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. In other words, not because of any good thing we ever did, a list that we came up with or a list somebody else came up with, but according to his mercy, this infinite mercy that he has. By washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly, it was richly because it's infinite, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified or declared not guilty of our sins by God, by his grace we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So this whole whole idea of being confident that we're going to have eternity given to us. The word regeneration and renewing. The word regeneration means um, to rebirth, to give new life. And renewing means to renovate. So it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility when we give our lives to Christ, when we ask God to forgive us of our sins and we're placing our faith in Christ, then the Holy Spirit comes in and He washes through us, as, as the illustration kind of goes, and then He gives us new spiritual life and does the work of renovating, changing us. So we're no longer doing life the way we used to do it, now we're doing it the way He Wants us to do, and again, we've talked a lot about that in the last few weeks. If you've missed that, you missed some good stuff, go back on the podcast and and, and look it up. But we we can't rebirth ourselves spiritually, right? We can't rebirth ourselves physically. It's impossible. The only one who can rebirth us spiritually, give us new life spiritually, is God. And it happens as we place our faith in Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so he becomes our source, or he is our source of spiritual life. Another thing that we learned is that once we place our faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit is in us, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, he seals us and guarantees, guarantees our salvation. It says this, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, so it's not just hearing this gospel message, but then it's now believing and trusting yourselves into you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So we were sealed in Christ. Remember we talked about like, it's like putting on clothing, like we've put on Christ. Well, that's happened because the Holy Spirit has sealed us, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. And so the Holy Spirit seals us, He marks us, He, he places us in Christ, and we are God's possession. So when you gave your life to Christ, you are now to do life God's way. The Bible says that we're His servant, we're His child, and the idea there is we give our life to Christ, we become His. Now our life is all about doing life His way for His purposes, for His glory, for His will, because that's the best life that we could possibly live. And then He's our, our pledge, which means guarantee. So, you know, you're going to heaven one day, how do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I place my faith in Christ, and the Holy Spirit's going to take me there. You know, it's that kind of thing. He's our guarantee. Like we learned last week, right? When Jesus was talking about in John 10, that Jesus has us in His hands, and, and God the Father has us in His hands, and there's nobody strong enough who could pry those fingers apart and get us out of there, including ourselves. And so we have this guarantee. And, and that should, I don't know about you, but I mean that should just give us such incredible confidence and peace. To know that it's not us that has to continue to try to do something in order to ensure that. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, in a little while here. So he, he helps us um, know that we need him. He gives us spiritual life. He seals us. Uh, he then guarantees us to have, that we're going to have heaven one day. And then, the next one, we talked about, now this is going into Romans 8, if you remember that series called 8. Um, it says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and he does if you've placed your faith in Christ, so you're like, gonna, did that happen? Yes, if you placed your faith in Christ. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, I mean, imagine the power that that took, right? That's, that's pretty incredible. Will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. Now, what's he talking about there? Remember back uh, in in 8, we were looking at the verses uh, previous to this. Uh, Those who set their mind on the flesh um, is death, and those who set their minds on on the Spirit is life and peace, right? And so what he's saying there is if we continue to do life our way, if you place your faith in Christ, but you're going to continue to do life your way, you're going to bring about death. You're going to destroy relationships. You're going to destroy yourself. You're going to destroy the things that God's trying to do in your life. But if you're doing it according to the Spirit, but if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He's saying if you you do life God's way, life and peace. You're going to bring growth and healing and all that God wants to do in and through you. He's talking about spiritual life but he's also talking about giving our bodies our physical mortal bodies the way we think the way we speak the way we giving us power through the holy spirit to do whatever he is, whatever it is that he calls us to do and so when he calls us to do something and we're reading it and God's telling us to again whether it's we always i always go start here whether it's our marriages our families our workplace our neighborhood whatever it is something personal in our lives we read something in the Bible, and then we're like, man, that's really hard to do. But I'm going to do that. I'm going I'm to take this step of faith, and I'm going to do that. Well, the Holy Spirit's going to give us the power to do it, and to, to learn from it, and to grow from it. And so he empowers us. And then, he confirms our salvation. Going on in Romans 8. It says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption. So there's that child side of things. As, as sons, by which we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies. And remember, John 15 testifies. So they translated two different Greek words as one word. That was a courtroom situation. This is just a confirmation thing. I was going to write the word corroboration, but I have a hard time saying it. Um, so I actually wrote it in my notes. I'm like, try to say it a couple of times. I'm not going to even use that word. Um, but a, a confirmation with our spirit that we are children of God. And so he's adopted us. The Holy Spirit is the one who's made that happen. And we can cry, Abba, Father. And Abba, that's, that's crazy for the first century, especially Jewish people, to hear that they could call, well, to call him even Father would be crazy, but we can call him Abba, Father. In other words, we can have this close, personal, intimate relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, where we can cry out to Him and, and just seek His help and, because we're His children. So we shouldn't be fearing Him. We should be running to Him. And so the Holy Spirit does that. And I want to, I want to say one other thing which comes out of 2 Peter. I think it's important. and I've kind of been praying through this and thinking about stuff. Hang with me here because uh, there's some, you may go, man, that's a lot of information. Just hang with me. So Peter's writing, and God wants uh, wants us to know this. He says, seeing that his or God's divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness, everything, to do life God's way, through the true knowledge, that word is that intimate experiential knowledge, of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. So by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. In other words, you'll be able to do life God's way, which is unbelievable. Having escaped the corruption that is in this world by lust or our natural desires. Now, for this very reason, also applying diligence, so you've got to work at this, ready? You know, Christians, it doesn't just sit there, you know, sit on the couch and put the Bible on your head or on your chest and osmosis, right? You've got you to put your, your time and effort into it. Applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, so you're building up, becoming stronger. <laughs> uh, in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours, by the way, anybody notice what those qualities Emulate God, right? Those are the qualities of God. To participate in a divine nature, and again, not that we become gods, but that we can we can respond to life the way God wants us to respond because we have His Holy Spirit and His Word helping us. For these qualities are yours and increasing. We should always be growing in this. No one's perfect. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities, so Christians who don't do these things, is what he's saying, is, uh, they lack these qualities, is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all, all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. Are you truly, have you placed your faith in Christ? Do you truly know him? For in this way the entrance into eternal into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. We have everything we need to do life God's way. We have God the Holy Spirit living in us and we have God's word before us. And we've talked about the power of God's word. Failure to obey brings uncertainty. A, a Christian who is not really sure about where they stand with the Lord and I mean, first of all, if, if you're like, man, I, I've never prayed to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. Well, that's that's where you start. But then there there are some who have done that, and they truly have done that. But they just, man, they just wrestle, and they're just not really certain about things. And well, failure to do the things we just read in Second Peter shows that someone is kind of you're acting like you're living like you're blind, spiritually blind, or at least short-sighted. You don't see things real clearly. You've forgotten what Jesus has done for you. But those who do these things and constantly working on it and just spending time with God and His Word and doing life God's way and serving, which we're going to be talking about here, in the church and sharing your faith. When you're doing all those things, you get, gain a greater confidence of your salvation. You're not making your salvation more sure, but in your own heart, you're getting a greater conversation or, um, confidence that you're, that you're saved because you're seeing God at work. And when you see God at work, yeah, man, obviously, God's in my life because God's doing some neat things in and through me that I couldn't do in and of myself. And the last one that we, we've talked about comes, out, again, out of Romans 8. He intercedes for believers. He prays on our behalf, which is pretty cool. It says this, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So you you have us, we're not really sure how to pray and so we start fumbling into this prayer. But then the Holy Spirit, then God the Holy Spirit is talking with God the Father and it's talking about his groanings. He says in the same way. In the same way as what? Well, the verses previous to this talk about the groanings of the earth. And that the idea there is that The earth is groaning. We see it all around us, right? The earth is just groaning. And what's it groaning for? That God's will would be done. That Jesus Christ would be able to eventually follow through and and accomplish all the will of God in this world, which eventually He's going to do. And so then He says, in the same way the Holy Spirit groans on our behalf. And so some people will take this as well. This must be a certain kind of prayer language or something. What's that? What this is talking about? Uh, The Bible doesn't teach that. This is certainly not teaching that. This is pointing to the passion and the urgency behind the prayer. And so here's what the Holy Spirit's doing: when we're like, I'm not really sure how to deal with this situation or this person or or this sin that I have in my life. I'm not really. I don't know. The Holy Spirit is passionately saying to God, the Father, if you want to put it that way. I want your will to be done in this person's life. Do what is necessary in this person's life for him to understand what, the will, uh, what your will is and how it is you want to bring it about. It's the passion and urgency behind it. And God, the Holy Spirit, does it on our behalf, even when we're not even sure how to pray. Which I don't know about you, I find myself in that situation quite a bit. <laughs> You know, I just don't know how to pray for this person or pray for myself or... Well, God, the Holy Spirit, intercedes passionately. God, your will needs to be done in this person's life. Help them to understand what that is. Help them in that sense that they would let me empower them. So no matter what happens in our lives, we have God, the Holy Spirit. In our lives, we have God's Word to give us direction. Now what I want to do is I want to jump to... Three things, and then we'll kind of tie it together. Uh, Three things that that you may not know, um, or you might, but we haven't necessarily covered it here in the last year or so. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. It should be all the truth. I should have put the in there. But Jesus says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when, when he, the Spirit of truth, Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will speak not on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. So the Holy Spirit's responsibility is to glorify Jesus Christ. Now, I, I challenge the 9 o'clock uh, services, you know, pay attention to what you're hearing on the radio, on your podcast, on, on TV, on these different preachers. Because there's a whole bunch of people who are emphasizing the Holy Spirit and supposedly what the Holy Spirit does or doesn't do. Jesus said, the responsibility of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. And I think that's a key element. And if you start listening to sermons based on that, you'll start understanding, okay, who is actually teaching Scripture accurately. But anyways, he will glorify me, for he will take of mine and disclose it to you. All the things that the Father has are mine. So God the Father has all this knowledge, and now Jesus has all this knowledge, and now God the Holy Spirit is going to be giving us all this knowledge. All, right. all the things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So he leads us into all, and again, I apologize, all the truth. What are you talking about there? So this promise was specifically given to the disciples because the disciples would become the apostles, and they're going to be responsible to teach the truth and write the truth. And so what he's saying is, God the Holy Spirit, He's going to be the one who's going to guide you. And make sure that what you're saying is what Jesus said, and what you're teaching is what Jesus taught, or will teach you, because some of the stuff was too hard for them to handle at that point. And so that's how they went out, knowing that the Holy Spirit was going to help them and guide them, literally inspire them and give them the words of God concerning Jesus Christ and writing them down. Today we have the Bible given to us, the Holy Spirit in us, and so now He guides us into all the truth as we read the Bible, as we study the Bible, as we meditate on Scripture, and as we um, memorize it, and as we begin to you know, work with it, and talk to God about it, and look at it through you know look at our situations through the eyes of of Scripture, and then the Holy Spirit empowering us. He'll lead us into all truth. He'll tell us how we're supposed to to move and. And here's the other cool, go, go back. Here's the other interesting thing. <clears throat> when you're reading the Bible and studying it, and you're like, oh, man, that's cool. Or you're sitting in church, and something clicks with you. You're either here or on Thursday nights or Bible study, and something just clicks, and you're gonna be like, oh, man, that was, I never really understood that before. Now I get it. Listen, I know you want to maybe think, man, I'm so smart. Um, that's not you figuring it out. That's God, the Holy Spirit, giving you understanding of what God's Word says. That's God, the Holy Spirit, personally teaching you what His Word says to you about you and what you're supposed to. He wants to do through you. That's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that's just incredible. When I, you know, when I study out Scripture and I'm looking through stuff and, you know, when I do it, I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty good. I figured that one out myself. No. No, I don't. I just like, oh man, thanks. God, I didn't quite understand that, but now I'm, now I'm getting it, you know? That's God the Holy Spirit at work, and that's awesome. And if you're not doing that, you're not experiencing that. And if you're not experiencing that, it's not cool. You know, it's just, life isn't that exciting because you're not interacting with God. You know, it's just such a, a cool experience. And so he leads us into all the truth. Next one, he gives spiritual gifts. And we're going to primarily look here at 1 Corinthians 12, but you can find it in Romans 13 and Ephesians 4. It says, now there are a variety of gifts. There's a bunch of different gifts, and we'll explain what those are, that, that God gives us through the Holy Spirit, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of ministries, so there's a bunch of different things you can do to serve your church family, uh, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of effects. There's a bunch of you know, impacts and things that can happen. Uh, but the same God who works all things in all persons, but to each one is given the manifestation, confirmation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, just a couple things here. First of all, variety of gifts. Uh, a spiritual gift. A quick definition would be a special ability that uh, God gives you through His Holy Spirit that is supposed to be used in order to help the church grow spiritually. Okay, so it's not know so much for you um it's not a natural talent so like for instance singing is not a spiritual gift it's a natural talent that you have but um teaching god's word is called a spiritual gift um and so like and it's kind of interesting because a lot of times what you find is a person who finds out what the spiritual giftedness is um will say well he said doesn't necessarily fit I i don't even like doing that kind of stuff and it's almost like God kind of puts that on, you know, gives a person a spiritual gift because why? Confirms that he's at work. So for me, nearly failing my speech class, you know, in high school, deathly afraid of being up in front of people. In college, when I was taking my pastoral sermon-making classes, I didn't do very well, you know, and I may still not be doing very well. I don't know, that's up to you guys. But uh, point is, it seems like God's given me a spiritual gift and I can only determine that by what people have told me. But anyway, the point is, so it's, it's a God-given gift through the Holy Spirit. It's a, a manifestation. It's a confirmation of His Spirit. I'll say more about that later. But you serving within your, the spiritual giftedness that God has given you through the Holy Spirit is confirmation of His presence in your life. So just think about what that would be like if you're not serving. But again. I'll uh, I'll step on toes later. I mean, I'll talk about that later. Last one is this. He produces spiritual fruit. All right? Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit, anybody want to sing it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. No. Um, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I guess such things there is no law. Uh, Just kind of curious, um, what are those character qualities remind you of? God. There it is again. Right? So the fruit of the Spirit, what's produced in us as we spend time in God's Word, and as the Holy Spirit teaches us, are characteristics of God. We begin to think like, speak like, and act more like how God wants us to be. Right? Ephesians 5, imitate God. So, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And so when we do that, we actually experience that in our lives, which is awesome. But has, has anybody ever seen a pear tree eat a pear? Because okay, if you did, you might have been like back in the 70s when you're eating mushrooms. Anyways, um, no, you, you never see a fruit tree eat the fruit. The fruit tree's for me. You know, when I'm outside and I see a pear on our pear tree, I pop that and I eat that and, oh, oh, we have a great pear tree. It's awesome. Ultimately, fruit is not for the tree, but for those who need it. Those in our life who need it. And so as we spend time with God and His Word and as the Holy Spirit teaches us and we start taking steps of faith to do life God's way, even oh man, it doesn't seem right, but I'm going to do it anyways, boom, God works, and like, oh, that's awesome. And so we start doing life that way. We're motivated to do that way. We start, God starts producing us an ability to love and to love others like we've never loved them before or to provide, to bring peace into someone's life like they've never had before or to show somebody self-control that we've never shown them before. <laughs> and so he produces in us the fruit that other people need so they know who God is. And how God operates. He's not, he's not asking us to produce, or He's not wanting to produce fruit, fruit in us just for us to sit there and go, mmm, this is wonderful. It's to produce so that other people can have the refreshing that needs to come in their life. There are people in our lives, lives who, who need to know what God-like love looks like. We get to be that person. There's people in our lives who, who need to know what peace is. We get to be that person. There's people in our lives who need somebody in their life to so just be gentle with them. We get to be that person. All the while showing them, because it's not us, it's God's Spirit working in us, who God is, what He wants to do in our lives and in their life. So, what are some takeaways? How do we, uh, how do we wrap this up? What do we what do? We do? with this information. Well, again, I, I never really know how the Lord's going to be working in your life, but um, so I throw down a couple th- things that I think might be helpful for us. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit leads you into all truth. So the question is, are you spending daily time with God to learn from Him? What is truth? What is true about Him? What is true about your life? I mean, you can't know it unless you're in it. And if you're not in it, you won't know it. I mean, it's kind of obvious, right? And So to be in it is to know it. And He's going to lead you into all truth. Secondly, the Holy Spirit confirms your salvation in your spirit and through your service. That's what we've just learned, right? So the Holy Spirit's going to confirm, say, yep, I'm here, in our spirit. But He's also going to show you and others through how you serve. So, if you're uncertain about your salvation, well, first of all, you need to make sure. And so, if you've never placed your faith in Christ, we've talked about this quite a bit here lately, especially. If you've never done that, then, then it's just simply you having a conversation with God saying, listen, I, I know I've sinned. I know I'm separated from you. But I also know and I believe I'm putting my full weight of trust on the fact that when Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me, and I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. That's the conversation you need to have with, with God. And if you, if you want more information about it, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. But it's a conversation that you just need to have with God. But if you are a Christian, and you're not not really sure, you know, I know I am, I know I prayed, but man, things have just been kind of out of whack lately, and I'm just I'm not really sure. Well, start with what God has given us, and that is His Word and His Holy Spirit. And So spend time with Him in His Word. And then if you're not serving, Serve, because in that service, according to the Bible, it's confirmation of God's Spirit at work in you. So here's the deal. I get to talk to Christians all the time. Christians that are all over the spectrum. But here's one thing that I've learned. I've never met a confident Christian who isn't in the Bible, who isn't serving, and who isn't sharing their faith. Every Christian who's confident in their faith They are in the Word. They are serving in church and they are sharing their faith. They're they're looking for ways to share their faith. They're praying for people in their life. Typically, the people who come to me and they're a little unsure about where they're at with the Lord, I can guarantee you two out of three, if not three out of three, are true. They're not in the Word much. Typically, they're not serving in church and they're certainly not sharing their faith. Again, when you go into Scripture and you look at it does it mean to follow Jesus, right? Follow Jesus, doing like Jesus' way, which means being with God the Father, which Jesus did, serving, which Jesus did, and sharing about him, which is what he did, right? So, again, confidence of your salvation is directly connected to your, your obedience. Last one. Man, you guys can come on up and we'll, we'll close with a song. The last one is the Holy Spirit, uh, Holy Spirit produces fruit in us. So who in your life needs to experience who God is in and through you? Starts with our spouses, with our children and parents, with the rest of our family members, with our co-workers, with our neighbors. Who is it? By the way, it's usually the person that you're most frustrated with. Just kind of giving you that one. Um, so, who is it that needs to know the fruit of the Spirit coming out of you into their life? Who is it that you need to love more than you have? Who, who is it that needs God's peace coming through you? Who is it that needs to know the self control that God can bring? So, as we close out this morning. Those are three areas that you can kind of have a conversation with God about and say, okay, Lord, which of these do I need to work in? Maybe there's another one that we talked about. But make the choice now before you leave to say, no, I'm going to do what you call me to do. I'm going to spend time in your Word. I'm going to hear what the Holy Spirit teach me. I want to do life your way. In spite of what it may mean to me or that I may even think about it, I'm going to do it and trust you that in you, is the best life that I can possibly live and the impact that I can make in somebody else's life.